are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. You know, we've said that as we move through the fall of the year that we are going to focus on this idea of seeking to become more like Jesus. And it's something that I desire deeply in my life. And, and I want you to know that um, although I see myself as pastor and, and leader, I, I do not see myself out in front of you. I see myself journeying with you in this desire. And so um, what I see in you, though, is that you deeply desire this in your lives. And I hear it uh, over and over again in many ways as we move towards September the 11th. So many of you are coming to me saying, Pastor, this is who I'm inviting to bring with me. Um, This is who is going to come with me on that day. I I hear you doing things that just, I mean, make me just want to, you know, scream for joy. Like the Swansons told me just last night that they said, we want to live like this. And so we invited the Two Lakes Community Church over to our house next Sunday night for a swim party. And I just think, man, I, I love it when I see you guys responding like that to what God is calling us to do. And so I'm journeying with you. I desire deeply, I desire deeply to become more like Christ. Although we want this very much, we want to live like Jesus lived. We want to love like Jesus loves. We want to serve like Jesus served. We want to, we want to act as Jesus would act. I also want to confess to you this morning that I'm a person who, in my story of faith, is sometimes filled with doubt and fear. I'm just being transparent with you. I desire all of those things, but sometimes I tend to focus on the circumstances instead of focusing on the one who is the solution to all of those struggles. And so there is a story in the Scripture about a guy who is a person of faith, but but like me, and maybe like you, his story of faith is also sometimes mixed with doubt and with fear. And so open your Bible, if you will, to the book of Matthew chapter 14, and I'm going to start reading with verse 22. And I want to talk to you about this guy whose name is Simon Peter for a little bit this morning. Now, you may say, hey, we were in Matthew chapter 14 last week. That's true, we were. We talked about Jesus taking five loaves of bread and two fish, and he fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children, so maybe 10,000 people. This incredible miracle. And then when John gets to verse 22, he says, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Now, what, what we don't know that has happened in Matthew's story, we learn in John's story, and that is that there was a group of people, this large crowd who ate all of that food. They decided Jesus would make a really good king, and they said, we should make him king. And Jesus realizes that he is in a dangerous situation. I wonder if the disciples were buying into this earthly kingship too, because Jesus makes them get in a boat I'm going to get you guys out of here, and I'm going to dismiss the crowd, and I'm going to try to reduce liability at this point. And so that's what he does. He made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And so after he dismissed them, he went up 
on a mountainside by himself to pray, which is characteristic of Jesus. And later that night, while he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves, they had come up on a storm because the wind was against it. And then shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the water. Jesus walked on the water. How much do you want to become like Jesus? Do you ever desire the miraculous? When you see Jesus doing things that seem impossible, do you ever want to copy Jesus? Do you ever live your life kind of believing deep, deep down inside of you that there is power that is available to us that we have never tapped into? There are things that God would enable us to do that we've never dreamed of doing. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Uh, but Jesus immediately said to them, Hey, take courage. It's, it's me. It is I. You, you don't need to be afraid, okay? I, I think if it was me, I would probably still be afraid, right? But, and so then Peter does what I think is the unthinkable. He says, Jesus, I want to be like you. I want to do what you do. I want to live life like you're living life. I want to act like you like. I want to love like you love. I want to serve like you serve. I want to live like you live. I want to do the miraculous like you do the miraculous. If it's you, Lord, here's what I want you to do. Will you call me to come to you? And we know how Jesus lives, right? Jesus lives like this. And so Jesus says, well, then come on. Then Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water. And he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. You know, he's scared to death. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. You of little faith, Jesus said, why do you doubt? Now listen to this last paragraph. When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, Truly, you are, you are the Son of God. So this is God's Word for the people of God today. Amen? Amen. What motivates you? What moves you? What makes fire burn inside of you? What breaks your heart? What makes you feel deeply? See, I, I, I think sometimes when people say to me, Rick, you talk so much about our need to help people come to know Jesus. What, what motivates you to want to help people come to know Jesus? And, and, and my response to that is very simple and clear. It's, it's simply this. I see brokenness everywhere. 
And, and I want people to be put back together again. And when we hear a story like that, like we heard a couple of weeks ago from a guy whose name was Azar, who said, my life was so broken, but Jesus came into my heart and Jesus has put my life back together again. I mean, nothing moves me like that moves me. And, and so I see brokenness everywhere. And I have this sense deep inside of me that I'm not just to come into this world and be a consumer, but there is this sense deep inside of me that I'm supposed to somehow be used of Jesus to be part of the solution and give my life to serving humanity like Jesus gave his life to serving humanity. N.T. Wright says, we have, we have discovered so much. He is a New Testament scholar. We have learned so much. We have invented so much. But yet when it comes to the really important things in life, it seems like we are without power. He said we have made incredible machines to make war. But no one is yet to find one that can make peace. We put people on the moon. But we have yet to figure out how to put food into the stomachs of hungry children. We listen to whales sing their songs on the floors of the ocean. But we struggle to hear the cries of humanity a street away. And, and I think deep down, all of us see the brokenness of humanity and yet somehow are convinced that we were not put here just to be consumers, but that we were put here to serve humanity and to be part of Jesus' healing for humanity, part of God's kingdom coming to earth. I heard a pastor say this week that on this entire cosmos, God's greatest treasure is people. He's nuts about his people. Out of everything that exists in this world, God is most crazy about his treasured possession, people. And he calls us to serve people. Um, I was walking out of a church this week and I saw a verse posted on the door as I walked out. And it was 1 Peter 4.10. And it simply said to this, said this, every one of you, every one of you should use whatever gifts you have been given to serve others. 1 Peter 4.10. Every one of you, every one of you should use whatever gifts you have To serve others. That's what you should do. So let's let's wade through this a little bit together, okay? Um, we 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 always ask somebody to help us uh, with some work that we've been involved in in Africa for almost ten years now, and and so one of the 
the greatest blessings of that, and, and my friend David Busick is sitting to my right over here, but God put this dream and vision in his heart, and I've always said there were a couple of things that he did that, that, that made this partnership unique to any other partnership, and that is that he put on-site coordinators on the ground in Africa. And he also hired a person to oversee this work in, in Dr. Barbie Moore. And so every year we say, would you, would you pray about going and spending a year in Africa? And every year somebody has gone. And for years it was young couples, it was, it was young people. They would go and, and, and they would spend a year there, give their lives for a year. And, and, and a couple of years ago something kind of unusual happened. We stood up and we said, we want you to pray about going to Africa. Would you go and spend a year there? We need someone to go. And, and this, this couple who wasn't young, they said, well, maybe, maybe we could go. Maybe God would use us, Dell and Emmelin. German in their 70s. And they went. And they left what was comfortable and they left what felt safe in their retirement here in Oklahoma City. And, and they went. And they went to this foreign place, this unknown place. Lots of risk in their minds. Lots of discomfort in their minds. But they said, we are going to go and we're going to spend a year of our lives there. And, and they did a fantastic job for us. And Ron and Sarah Willard, another retired couple, are there now. But I got, a, I got an email from Dell just yesterday, and here's, here's what has happened. We, we have a partnership also with Native Americans in Arizona on the Native American district. And did you know that, that we have churches there, but we have not ordained a pastor in years? How can the church survive if we don't have leaders, right? And so one of the passions of my heart is that we have got to somehow train leaders. And so God has been opening doors, and we're now training leaders. And so Dale writes me this note. I have just finished, you know, back from Africa now, living back in Oklahoma City. Now he's doing this other thing. I've just finished my Friday night four-hour class in Dilcon of training pastors. I expected 12, but we had 22, he said. The classroom is full. We're all having a ball. Teaching is fun, and students are having a good learning experience. Time flies quickly. The people here are receiving us with gratitude and acceptance and appreciation. They are grateful for the partnership with BFC. Emlyn and I are grateful for once again representing Bethany First Church in a cross-culture partnership. And then before this 70-some-year-old guy signs off, he says, this is really cool. Okay, just dream with me for a minute, will you? You want to dream? What if? What what if, what if you prayed, okay? Just think with me, okay, just for a minute. What if you begin to pray? What if you prayed in the morning before you go to work or school or wherever you're going? What if you got up in the morning and you got on your knees and you prayed, and you meant this, you prayed this, but you really meant it. You were sincere when you prayed. What if you said, God, God, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do today. I'm gonna ask you to invite me to a place that is out of my comfort zone. God, I'm going to pray today, and here's what I'm asking of you. I'm asking you to invite me to step out into a place there is risk, and there, and, and there maybe doesn't feel safety, and there doesn't feel like comfort, and, and all of those things. God, God, I'm going to ask you to call me out. Have you ever noticed when you pray some prayers, it seems like you pray for two years and you don't get an answer. It's like the windows of heaven are all shut and locked and all that kind of stuff. But when you pray a prayer like this, God answers like that afternoon. You ever notice that? I need you in Africa on Thursday. <laughs> what if you begin to pray that way? 
I want to do, Jesus, the kinds of things that you do. I, I want to serve like you serve. I want, to, I want to love like you love. I want to live like you live. I want to act like you act. I want, I want to experience the miraculous. And Simon Peter looks up and he sees Jesus walking on the water and he says, why don't you call me to do what you're doing? Here's the deal. It involves risk. And comfort and safety does not coexist with risk. And all of these talents and all of these gifts and all the resources that God has given you Sometimes we're very tempted just to kind of keep them neat and stacked and dry and right here. What if you begin to pray, God, call me to step out. See, I, I long to be a part of the miraculous. Deep, deep down in my heart, I believe that there is more than what I can see with my eyes and touch with my hands I, I want to help people who are hurting and needy, and I want to bring love and hope and healing. And when I see Jesus doing something that looks to me to be impossible, somehow I want to jump on that wagon and I want to be part of it. You know? I can't help it. I want Hudson Halls to walk again. I cannot put it out of my mind. I cannot quit praying about it. I can't close the door on that conversation. Because deep down, I believe there is something more than what I can see with my eyes and touch with my hand. And I believe that there is power available to us that is beyond what any of us have ever comprehended. And we have not tapped in to all the miraculous that God wants to do in and through us. And I believe that God wants to put people's lives and marriages and homes and everything else back together that is broken and falling apart. And sometimes God calls us. You got to get out of the boat. My dad has been, been really sick. Uh, he's 82. He suffers from pretty severe dementia. He now has pneumonia, has kidney issues, and um, I don't know, there's something else. He had a heart attack last week. And so doctors are saying, you know, we really, we really can't do open heart surgery. He's not a candidate. And finally they decided we don't want to do even angioplasty. We, we think the risk is not worth the reward. And so, and so the good news is, though, my mom got to bring my dad home from the hospital Thursday night. And so he's in, a, he's in an environment where he feels very safe, you know, um, I was at the hospital the other day and, and my brother was in the room and my sister was in the room and, and my dad, of course, was asleep in the bed and a lady walks in, a young lady, and we said, hi. And she said, my name's Amy. I'm a chaplain. And I said, nice to meet you. And as she sat down, my brother said, you guys could talk all day. And she looked at me, and I said, I'm a pastor in Oklahoma. And she said, oh, okay. 
Amy was very young and, um, and was noticeably nervous. Um, there are even times when I felt like she was laboring for steady breath and, and um, she sometimes was fighting for words to say. And at one point, she looks at me and she says, um, would you like to step out of the role as pastor and just be son and let me assume the role as pastor and before I go pray for your family? And I said, Amy, I would love for you to pray for us. And so we stood up and we held hands. So it was pretty cool because I was holding hands with my brother, Terry, and my sister, Darla, and Amy was there holding hands. And my dad was in the bed asleep. And she starts to pray. And I started to become aware of the fact that God was very, very near. And it was a beautiful moment. I've always wondered what it's like for you guys when we come to the hospitals, you know? All the ministers coming, I guess I'm getting ready to be ministered unto. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing always. But if anything has ever happened to you like happened to me in that moment that Amy prayed with me, my brother, my sister, my dad, I think we need to keep coming to the, keep coming to the hospitals and praying for you because God, God's presence was so powerful. And, and here's a young girl that, that stepped out of a boat and attempted to walk on some water. <laughs> I, I, I want to do what Jesus da, did. I, I, I want to live like Jesus. I want to act like Jesus. I want to, I want to believe in the miraculous. I want to serve like Jesus. I just want to be like Jesus to these people. And she looked around and saw the circumstances, and she got maybe a little afraid, but Jesus was there to catch her. And let me tell you something. It was, it was a beautiful moment for my family. Peter looks around and he sees the wind and he sees the waves and he looks at the circumstances and he begins to find all the reasons why I can't really walk on water. What was I thinking? Who would ever think I could be like Jesus? I mean, really, look at me. Who would think I should be able to do what Jesus could do? But in his fear, he calls out and Jesus catches him and he will catch you. I love the last paragraph because, uh, I don't know, it really kind of... Uh, it challenges me. John Ortberg says this about the last paragraph. Let me, let me give you his words, okay? Um, he says, only Peter knew that when he sank, Jesus would be there. And he was wholly adequate to save. The other disciples could not know because they never got out of the boat. This is the fundamental truth. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. If you want to experience the power of God in your life, you've got to take a step of faith. It involves risky obedience. And I'm looking at some people right now who are saying, I want to be like Jesus. But I'm kind of focused on the wind and the waves right now and the circumstances. And I don't know that I can do it, you know? There's somewhere maybe that I feel like I, I would want to serve, but I don't know if I could pull it off there. Or 
somebody I need to love and I don't know if I'm the person to do it. I love what happens in the last paragraph because the disciples all kind of have this moment where they say, whoa, you truly are the Son of God. Look at you. I mean, what when we saw you heal the paralyzed guy back there, you know, chapters earlier, that was pretty neat. And we were all like, whoa, that is big. He just healed the guy. And then when we saw you do the other things, we were like, well, then when you fed like the 5,000 people were going like, that is really impressive, you know. But now we are finally convinced you obviously are the Son of God. I mean, totally, right? We're all together on this. It's just kind of funny to me. We watch God work powerfully in our lives over and over and over again and watch God do things through us that we never dreamed he could do. And then when we feel him calling us again, we kind of go, I don't know if I have the faith to believe God can actually use me in this endeavor. You know what I mean? When will we believe? And we hear Jesus saying, why do you doubt? You can walk on water. You can do the things I did and do. Okay, I'll wrap up, all right? I, uh, I preached last Sunday about the disciples seeing a need, and Jesus said, you should meet the need. You should feed these people. Don't send them into the towns and villages to buy something. You, you do it. And the disciples immediately entered this struggle, right, of saying, oh, we don't have much resources. We only got a few pieces of bread and a few pieces of fish. And Jesus says, bring it to me. And they brought it to Jesus, and Jesus blessed it, and he broke it. He gave it back to the disciples, and he said, now go give it away. And that's what he does with us. And so at the end of the sermon, I challenged you, sign up. Take this little card off your folder and sign up, okay, and help us. We need help you know, in children's ministry and youth ministry and all these places, please sign up and volunteer. You know, you can, you can do this. And I also challenge you, serve outside the church too. And so on Thursday when I got back into town after going to see my dad, somebody said, you know how many cards we got? And I said, no. They said, well, there were 2,000 people, just over 2,000 people in the seats in the two services. And we had seven people sign up. Seven. And I'm thinking, man, I am one more powerful preacher. I can get people to do anything, right? I'm teaching a class right now. I'm preaching. I think after I finish, I need to enroll in a class maybe on preaching, you know? And somebody looks at me and says to me on Thursday, does it bother you? That more people didn't sign up, that more people didn't believe I can do what Doris and Steve Betts do. I can go sit on a floor with kids and love them and spend time with them while a teacher teaches? The answer that came out of my heart and my mouth was, um, was hard. Because sometimes I don't like to disclose certain things about myself. And I said, it probably does, but not as bad as it bothers me when I don't seem to live what I'm preaching. Because over these last few weeks as we've been working through this stuff of service, what the Lord wants to talk to me about when I get up in the morning to pray, and I've got a lot to talk to Jesus about, and it seems like what he wants to talk about is where am I serving? 
I mean, where you're not getting a check to serve. Where, where do you volunteer in your other time? Outside the church, where do you serve? Inside the church. So where, where are you serving, Ricky? I think there's a few of us that together, we just need to get out of the boat. And believe in our hearts that Jesus will enable us to do some of the things that he did. And become part of the solution to the brokenness in our world. This week the Lord is challenging me. Do you really, 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 do you really, do you really value people? Should we try again? So take that worship folder that you received when you walked in the door. This is our response this morning, okay? And you'll see there's a tear-off portion. On the right side. And it gives you an opportunity to sign up to say, you know what, maybe I could help out here at the church. So if you're looking for a place to serve, we got really good news. We have some places where we need people to volunteer. And as we move into the fall, this need grows really greater, okay? And so it may be that you would say, I can sign this and I can have someone call me and just talk to me about where I might could serve and I could talk to them about my schedule and where I think my gifts are and what I might be able to do, okay? And if you will sign that and you will turn it in before you leave today, someone will call you and talk to you more about the possibilities of you serving in some of these ministries. Also, if you go onto our website, there are very clear paths that help you see many, many other places of service that is needed here at the church. So this is within the church and you can simply sign up and somebody will contact you by simply signing on there on the webpage. It's easy to find. Just go to BethanyNaz.org and you will find a very easy path to sign up to serve, okay? And you can give those to an usher. We'll have ushers at the doors. Are we communicating that right now to make sure we have ushers at the doors to collect those? If you don't find an usher or if you want to bring it to me, just bring it down to me and hand it to me. If you hand it to me, I will... I spent a summer in Georgia, and there they didn't say give you a hug. They said, I will love your neck. If you come down here and give me yours, I will, I will give you a hug. I'll love your neck, okay? So why don't you stand with me and let me ask the Lord's blessings on you before you go. So, may the love of God and the power of of the Holy Spirit and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.